Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I'm a multifaceted boss. I'm a creator boss. I am a live video boss. I'm a karate boss. I am a blog boss. I am a business boss. Education boss. I am a diverse academic boss babe. She's evolving. She's determined. She's a boss. And, and this, this is She's, She's in a Pod. pod. Hi guys, welcome back to another episode. How's everyone doing? Good. We are good. 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 Happy bank holiday. (laughs) Absolutely not. I'm tired. It's been a long like, like seven, eight days. It's been go, 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 go. So yeah, I'm tired, but I'm good. I'm happy. How are you guys? Uh, How are you, Shadi? Good, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I've enjoyed my bank holiday weekend. I've, you know, you. Mm. Yes, we know you did. Shani had a little games night. I did. Yes, she did. Which was really fun. Yeah, it was fun. I know, retiring. But we are here. I mean, should we introduce ourselves and then obviously we've got a special guest. Yes, as you guys can see. So my name is Jenny. Jenny, Jen. I answer to all. I am Shade or Shade, whichever one floats your boat. And I'm your girl, Bianca. Hey guys, hey Seattle sisters, <laughs> how you doing? <laughs> visual. And also just to mention now, as you can see, you probably noticed from last week that we're back to the one episode, um, one episode every mm. two weeks now. So we're back in the old pattern. I know you probably missed us, but we're still going to give you the great content. As you can see, yeah. we're about to give you some great content today. So yeah. Yes, we are. So we are joined by Millie. and I, I know we've been like trying to get you on for for a bit now going back and forth and finding the right time um yeah. just because we want to share your story you've got such an incredible story and all the things that you're doing which we'll, I'm sure we'll get into later on yes um but yeah how are you yeah I'm all good thank you yeah just saying like how strange it is going back into the world after spending so much time inside I think yeah it's just it's so lovely it's so nice to see everyone yeah. I feel like it is quite overwhelming I'm trying to do things yes. and like not overbook my diary <laughs> yeah yeah and no, I totally get it I think it's gonna take some time I mean we've been in the pandemic quarantine for such a long time that it's just it's almost foreign going out again <laughs> But, Very um, yeah, and like expensive. Said, and yeah. expensive, yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Not just the going out as well, but like buying the outfits. I'm like, yes. oh, I, I can't yeah. go out in tracksuit bottoms. Yeah. So, you don't realize how much money you saved, you know, yeah. staying yeah. in the house. So it's, it's, it's all racking up, but yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. But yeah, but yeah. So, Millie, so, tell us about um, yourself yeah oh I'm Millie I will also answer to most things Mills Gucci some people call me which is not my preferred oh. name but I will answer to it <laughs> oh. <laughs> is it because of your surname yeah 
which is actually bitch. quite a rude word and I didn't know that until I was like 15 and people started telling me <laughs> really um, oh. yeah I mean Google it if you don't know us. yeah <laughs> my <laughs> yeah I so when I was 26 so I'm gonna be 30 this year when I was 26 I decided I was gonna give up alcohol because it was causing me all sorts of life problems um, wow. especially my mental health um so I I mean it sounds like it was just a one day decision there'd been a lot leading up to it mm. and then when I stopped drinking I couldn't find really anything online that was kind of for like young millennial British women in particular that still wanted to go out still wanted to have fun still wanted to socialize but just wanted to take alcohol out of the equation everything mm. I found was a lot was based in America a lot was talking about mummy wine culture and I don't have kids so I didn't really fully identify. yeah and a lot of it was quite um like dark and talked a lot about giving it up and and my experience of sobriety had been quite positive because my mental health was getting better I was feeling better about myself I was not spending my entire weekends just completely hung over and I couldn't find anything that was like positively reflecting my experience of not drinking so yeah. I started saving our society because I basically knew how to to work an Instagram page very basically and it <laughs> snowballed beyond anything I ever imagined um and then yeah it's been three years since I stopped drinking now wrote a book mm. and basically day to day I help people quit drinking really <laughs> so it's, oh it's that's crazy. really good that's really good um so I guess maybe taking it back and of course share what you're only comfortable sharing um I'm what, an oversharer it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> what got you into to drinking like what led up to that um you know in terms of like your personal life and just to share a bit yeah so really can. like when I was young young like well like teen young I didn't really drink a lot so a lot of my friends did they you know like white lining cider at the park but I didn't really do that I was quite into competitive dancing so I was doing that most weekends and then I'm an August birthday so I'm like the youngest in my year and so like three mm. weeks before I went to uni I turned 18 so I'd never really like gone out to clubs because I like couldn't get into them and then I turned 18 three weeks later I went to uni so I went to the University of Sussex which is in Brighton and I'd gone from being in quite a small town in Kent where kind of everyone knows everyone and never really drinking to going mm. to Brighton where there was just this like explosion of nightlife and I started drinking just like three four nights a week and I went from zero to just being a blackout binge drinker constantly I was like yeah. getting like falling out of clubs I worked in a vodka revolutions which is like not the optimum setting for someone who clearly needs to like curb their drinking and just all of a sudden it became something that I did really regularly and I was always very I was always the last one on the dance floor my friends always had to ask the bouncers to like get me out because I would refuse to leave I always wanted the party to continue and it was kind of like typical student behavior but probably slightly worse than everyone else especially like mm -hmm. got to third year everyone else was really concentrating on their exams and I just wanted to go to Oceana and drink one pound fifty double vodka Red Bull so oh. <laughs> <laughs> no one wanted to do that with me and then I left uni and it slowly just started becoming worse my drinking so I was working in London but living in Kent I was like commuting home falling asleep on the train drunk and waking up miles from my house I was like doing embarrassing things and just like gradually it became something that I had done because everyone else did it and I thought you know rosé all day and bottomless brunch and I started to realize that I was becoming to depend on it more and not 
necessarily a physical dependence I wouldn't wake up and it was the first thing that I thought about but Mm -hmm. for confidence or you know if I was going on a date I thought I can't possibly do this without alcohol or I couldn't possibly go go dancing without without a drink I can't possibly go to a bottomless brunch or a Hindu and I started to really think that I was kind of like needing it and even for like confidence if I was feeling insecure it kind of hushed any of those insecurities and just slowly but surely I realized that it was becoming quite problematic I was putting myself in very vulnerable situations I wasn't Mm. remembering lots of my night the next day my anxiety was like through the roof um just like worrying you know what did I say what did I do trying to piece together my night I couldn't because I'd blacked out oh gosh yeah I mean we've we've all had the beer fear so yeah (laughs) I've definitely had my first year yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) what did I say last night yeah and then that it kind of just I had loads of awful hangovers of just feeling like there's got to be more to life than this and worrying about my relationship with alcohol so I read a book um I was deathly hung over on in February 2018 listened to an audiobook called The Unexpected Joy of Being Sober and it just like changed my perspective on not drinking I had always seen it as like a restriction or like a loss whereas the way that the author talked about it was like such a gain of like you know you'll get more time get more energy more money more productivity and better mental Mm. health and made it look so appealing and I was like I think I want a bit of that and it's just the best decision that I've ever made so that's kind of like the roundabout yeah Wow. wow I think that's that's amazing and I don't know. I, I think it's a bit crazy because I, I know back at university, I'm sure we've all, I mean, people who have gone to university have had their fair share of like hungover nights and things like that. But sometimes, you know, you, you don't realise how much or how much it can kind of get worse the older you get. Like you said, you left university and the behaviour still carried on. Um, did you have any friends or family kind of noticing that sort of behaviour and maybe advising you to stop yeah I think I mean some of them definitely noticed but I think the way it affected me most was like the next day so although they saw me like being outrageously drunk they kind of got to see like the fun side of it of like oh the you know Millie she's I was always that drunk girl that you see on like Geordie Shore that was always me and people just chalked it up to oh she's pissed again and it was only like the next day when I was really really suffering in like so like bad anxiety and depression on a night after drinking and no one really saw that and they saw the like Mm -hmm. the texts of what did I do and they'd be like you're fine don't worry and I'm like the panic and but there were a couple of times I think like when I didn't you know text them to say that I'd got home and I'd because I'd gone like somewhere else entirely and uh, Mm. they did start to like worry a bit but I think because alcohol is so normalized and that kind of behavior is so normalized like when I went to uni that was when Geordie Shaw kind of like came out that going out and getting blind drunk and you know we see it on the man online you know girls at Ascot and it is just so normalized and no one ever really questioned it because it wasn't Mm. like I was waking up in the morning and putting vodka on my cereal but it was still a very obvious problem and it was causing me very obvious problems but because it didn't look like the stereotypical drinking problem that we all have come to know no one really said anything my my mum was quite concerned yeah. I think every time I used to go out she used to be like don't drink too much and she'd like call me mm. she always says the thing she loves most now is that she doesn't have to ring me at 3am to check that I haven't like fallen <laughs> on a train track oh. so 
Yeah. But that's always nice. Yeah. That's so interesting. Aww. I have a question actually. I mean, so a lot of um young adults almost depend, just lack of a better word, on alcohol to have a good night. Um, it's it's almost part of the night. You know, you can't have a wedding or any kind of celebration without alcohol. <laughs> so for you, how do you what does your typical night out look like now? Like, how do you ensure that you still have fun when I'm sure maybe your mm. friends still drink and your family might still drink? How do you, how do you just have fun? And how do you, you know, just keep that energy high when you're out? Yeah. I'm sure people I, would want to know. It is a mix of things to be honest. One of them is like getting picky in the first place. Like I would go to anywhere as long as there was alcohol. But if someone was like, do you want to come to this? I'd be like, is there booze? Yes, I'm there. So I've like got much pickier with what I go to now. I'll only go to places that I know are going to be fun. So like I'll go to a day mm-hmm. festival, but I'm not sure I could really stick out like four days somewhere. So I go to places that I know I'm going to have fun. I nap, which is a really practical tip. Like I nap before I go. Okay. So while everyone else is pre-drinking, because the two things that like get you really irritated when you're out and drunk people are bashing into you are if you're tired and if you're hungry. Mm. Oh, so yeah. I always eat before <laughs> and I always nap before because otherwise it yeah. gets to about 12 o'clock and I'm like, oh, can we just go to McDonald's? Mm. <laughs> they're, they're like two basic tips. But yeah, like getting picky is one of them. But on the whole, a night out looks quite similar I probably don't stay out till like I'm not in fabric at 6am like I have kind of curved in a little bit but I still go out and I just think the longer I have done it the more normal it has become I was like everyone else when I first stopped drinking thought I can never do any of these social occasions how am I going to go on a Hindu and not have a drink and now I'm like four Hindus down I'm like it's actually fine like fine build it up in our head and we've associated it so much but the more you do it the more confidence you kind of build and and just you're able to do it mm, mm. absolutely wow no that's that. that's that's really good mm. love it um so I suppose so like you already mentioned at the beginning um through this experience you you know you then started the sober girl society and I've had a look on your website and I've seen like you've done events in the past, obviously maybe not not, not so much now because of COVID and everything. Um, but talk us through like, you know, the beginning stages of getting people together. And because I can imagine like talking about, you know, drinking and, you know, some of the experiences that you've just mentioned. And for some other people that can be quite hard depending on what actually started that particular um what started what got them drinking in the first place so how was it like getting people together and you know just talk us through like the beginning stages of this society that you've now created yeah so it it was actually interesting because I thought if we did events that no one would like would turn up I thought it would just be me on my own with a mocktail waiting for everyone to come (laughs) So I started this thing instead called like Find Your Sober Sisters. So it was basically an Instagram post where people could put their location and then they could find friends and they could make their own thing. So I thought that would be great. And then someone commented it saying they were in London and then about 25 other girls put that they were also in London. And then this girl messaged me and said, look, I really want to organise a London meetup. I know you're based in London. Would you be okay with that? And I was like, yeah. I was like, but just invite (laughs) me. That's all I care. So she actually, this girl called Lucy, who now helps me with everything, she started the first Sober Girls Society Meetup because I was too scared to. And I look back now and I'm like, oh, it's so silly, but I'm so glad that like 
she intervened there and I think Mm. the one thing I said to her kind of when we when she was telling me about what she wanted to do for the meetup like one thing that always put me off say like going to AA was the fact that I was going to have to go in and tell everyone my deepest darkest story straight away which is not what I wanted to do and I also felt as that kind of like very they call it like grey area drinking like grey area binge drinking yeah I thought they would kind of laugh me out, which I know now from speaking to people who have been through the program that that wouldn't happen. But I thought they'd be like, oh, get out. You're not a real drinker. So that that kind of thing didn't appeal to me. And it probably could have been massively helpful. But I said that I wanted, you know, these events to focus on doing something that doesn't revolve around drinking. And then if people make connections and they want to share while they're there, then they can. So the focus of the events and the meetups now is never about going in and talking to people so we kind of take traditional things and show people that you can do them without drinking so we do a bottomless boozeless brunch so oh nice yeah we're doing a bottomless pizza brunch you're all welcome to come oh i'm gonna have to take you on it when's that (laughs) it's at a place called the fugitive motel in um i think it's like bethnal green okay Uh, so we're doing that in september so i'll send you all invites yeah we'd love to share it on our page as well yeah Yeah. oh thank you that'd be lovely and then we do so like one of the biggest things that people said to me is how am i going to go on a dance floor sober so we do like it's called a diva sweat um sweat fest class so we've got this amazing choreographer and he comes and he teaches like all the amazing routines and people just follow and it's basically to prove that you can dance without a drink and then hopefully you mm-hmm. can take some of those skills and that basic rhythm and you can take it out into the world and get on a dance floor and have the confidence to do that and then we do like a mix the hour afterwards so people can hang around and chat and yeah and that's what we find works really nicely rather than like come into our meeting sit in a circle and tell us all why you had to stop drinking <laughs> yeah I really like oh, that wow. so incorporating no, that. fun and like real life situations into your um, event I think that's really cool um, another mm. question I had actually is so do you you know how like in a working environment where you know you go for after work drinks or and you know drinks are just incorporated into our daily life do you um, have any kind of events or like talks with women on how to deal with situations like that or how to turn down a drink in you know when everyone around you is drinking do you have you know conversations like practical conversations like that because that comes up a lot and sometimes you might feel a bit awkward to kind of say no I'm okay I, I don't want to drink I'll just have lemonade you know yeah does that ever come yeah. up always actually and we get a lot of people who especially say they're starting a new job and they don't know how to tell their team that like they don't drink but mm. it's hard the one thing I always say is just try and be as honest as possible giving as much information as you feel comfortable with because if you say like oh I'm on like I'm on antibiotics at the moment they'll be like oh get them out show me like oh I, I've drunk on those <laughs> once before or if you say like yes. oh I'm, I'm driving they're like oh leave your car here I'll come back and get you and they're like oh. so I try to tell people to like be as honest as possible and even if you don't want to put time limit on it you can say you know I'm not drinking at the moment um is always just a good you know one to say but I'm yeah the more confident you are in it and the more you stand your ground I think the less people think they can push you on it they can smell fear people (laughs) and if you if you kind of let people know that you might actually be persuaded either way then I think they will try and push you on it so just being Mm -hmm. really honest and I think the good thing is that it's becoming more and more normalized now when I Mm -hmm. told people three years ago I didn't drink it was like oh my god you've got a third leg but now (laughs) when I tell people they're like oh my cousin doesn't drink or my friend doesn't drink and everyone seems to like 
know someone but workplace is actually one of the ones that people find hardest because with their friends they can feel like they can be a bit more honest but also yeah. there is still quite a stigma around like having a drinking problem and a lot mm. of people don't want to admit that at work for fear that it might come back on them um, yeah so it is it is a really hard one there's a lot of companies now that are trying to like normalize that kind of workplace culture that doesn't necessarily revolve around drinking mm. that's really good and just going back to what you said about just for those who don't know what AA is can you just explain um and have you ever gone to one prior to starting a society yeah so AA is Alcoholics Anonymous so it is a 12-step based recovery program um so you anyone can go and the only requirement is the desire to stop drinking so when I first stopped drinking I kind of had no inclination to go to an AA meeting because what I knew of AA was what I'd seen on telly which was it was going to be 40 to 50 year old men like Mm. park bench drunks and I just didn't think that I would fit or anyone would understand me so it was never in my kind of idea to go I've not been since but I know a lot about it and I've met Mm. like thousands of sober women in the last three years and some love AA some hate AA, some have been to AA and have left AA. Um, It's a very interesting conversation that I I wrote about it in the book, basically speaking to my friend Becky, who does go to meetings, but did kind of talk about some of the pitfalls of it and, you know, how it could be a little bit more updated. It was the the book that that kind of goes behind Alcoholics Anonymous was written a long time ago. And I think could do with a bit of a 21st century spin (laughs) (laughs) no definitely I mean things have changed but now that you've mentioned your book the handbook um talk us through about that I mean that's just come out um quite recently um and that's one of the things that we you know wanted you to share on this platform um so yeah talk us through the um handbook that you've got out (laughs) Yes, it came out in January and I, thank you, it still feels (laughs) so surreal because I wrote it at the start of the very first lockdown, so I started writing it in March and now it's come out and I've never even seen it in a bookstore or like seen it in the outside world, so as far as I'm aware it just exists in my house. So I I wrote it because, I mean, there are fantastic books out there. They call them like quick lit, like books around abstinence or sobriety or sober curiosity. And there's so many amazing ones, like The Unexpected Joy of Being Sober was the one that got me on my journey. But the only thing that I felt was missing from this kind of like quick lit space was A, like a slightly younger voice. Everything I read was a kind of older demographic. Mm-hmm. And then I also couldn't find anything that was uh, very practical. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of, that I read kind of said, oh, you know, don't stay at um, like don't go out, avoid your triggers. If there's alcohol around you, like feel free to leave. Whereas I was working in media at the time and I was having to go to a lot of parties and I couldn't just say, sorry, I'm not going to do my job. Yeah. And, and I wanted something that said, if you're going to a wedding, this is what you should do. If you're going to a bottomless lunch, this is what you should do. So I kind of did like a lot of very practical mm. tip-led stuff that I wanted to know and couldn't find in any other book. So it is kind of like a handbook manual. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amazing. I, I wanted to ask, um, actually, oh, I was sorry. trying to ask a question earlier, but Shadi put me on mute and I couldn't unmute myself. <laughs> Oh, gosh. <laughs> but it's like, um, yeah, I wanted to ask you, um, do you, 
is is what you do like the sofa girl society obviously it's in the name but there may be like some people who actually don't necessarily want to cut out alcohol altogether but just want to cut down is there anything that you do that helps people on that journey of just cutting down the drinking and you know kind of monitoring when they're going out so they're not going absolutely a you know crazy and just kind of yeah just being more careful about how much intake they have yeah a hundred percent so when I first started it it was because I wanted to find other women who had stopped drinking and then yeah. kind of like the longer that time had has gone on I yeah. recognized that there were so many people who didn't like were also scared by the word like sober um, mm. and so that's why we kind of adopted the term sober curious as well so we say it's a community for mm. sober and sober curious women which is a term that was coined by Ruby Warrington who wrote the book sober curious and that is all about basically just becoming really mindful about your relationship with alcohol so like questioning why you're drinking am I drinking because this is a celebration or am I drinking because I'm really stressed and I want to mm. it in um, so we've kind of like involved that. So every, all the language we use now is sober and sober curious. And we always say like, there's no, uh, there's no reason why you can't come to a meeting, even if you're still drinking or not meeting. Yeah. You just have to not drink for that couple of hours. And mm -hmm. it's great because then you can kind of start seeing that you can have fun without alcohol and you can do all these things. And then we hope that people will just kind of like build on that. And, you know, I've got loads of friends that still drink. I don't judge anyone for their drinking. I'm a massive harm reductionist. I really believe in things like dry January, just, you know, taking 90 mm. days to reset your relationship, understanding mm. what you're drinking. There's like so many ways that people can reduce the harm of alcohol that isn't going teetotal like it's the best decision I ever made but I know it's not for everyone so mm -hmm. yeah as time has gone on we've definitely like tried to incorporate more for people who want to quit cut down amazing. take a break so yeah that's amazing <laughs> <laughs> that's really great I have a question so in terms of like biological changes or how you feel has it had an effect on maybe your mental health your physical body how you feel your mood you know how you know what's the difference between when you were drinking and now that you've been um abstinent for the amount of time that you've you've been abstinent yeah so my mental health is like so 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 much better mm. I mean I would like caveat that it's not a cure-all for mental health problems yeah. mm. I still, mm -hmm, I still struggle with like anxiety and but in terms of where I was I'm a million times better and there's kind of like two reasons there's the direct effects of alcohol which can you know it's linked to depression like it is a depressant it's linked to depression mm. um you know it's proven to exacerbate anxiety so you've got the actual like chemical effects of alcohol but then you've also got the kind of indirect effects I would say so like yeah. when I was hung over I would basically throw my phone in a bin because I wouldn't want to speak to anyone and like oh wow hear the like horror of what I'd done last night mm. I wouldn't like eat properly I'd order like Domino's pizza for breakfast because I was hungover I wouldn't get outside you know I'd felt really shameful about maybe things I'd said to people the night before mm. so there's like those kind of direct effects and the indirect effects and and together like my mental health is just so 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 much better well, and then physical effects like definitely a few changes I've got so much like more energy and I mean yeah there's like a Chinese medicine thing that apparently your liver connects to your eyes. So like, if you have a problem with your liver, it'll show up in your eyes. Yes, yeah, I've heard that, yeah. yeah. 
So because the liver is the main organ that like metabolizes alcohol, they say that your eyes like start to sparkle. And some people have said to me, oh my God, your eyes are so much brighter. I Googled it and that's that's the reason why. But like, mm. I'm, I'm, I mean, my skin is better, but I'm not saying again, it's not like cut out alcohol and your skin's going to be yeah. amazing. But it's just, you know, after a night out, I take my makeup off now instead of like face planting a pillow with like mascara everywhere. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. But uh. just like, even having more time for like self-care because I would spend the entire weekend hungover so I would you know have gone out Friday night spent Saturday completely in bed Sunday still Mm. feeling ropey and then went straight back to work I never relaxed I never recharged Mm. I was just on this like constant cycle of drinking going to work drinking Mm. going to work like weekend warrior type so even like having more time for self-care and taking care of myself has helped with those kind of physical and mental things as well of course yeah self-care is so important i think lockdown so what advice would you give to people who are trying to you know um quit alcohol or they're trying to cut it down i'm also Mm. kind of i think it's kind of two questions in one because it's that and then also how to um navigate with the support or lack of support of friends and family when you know cutting cutting alcohol out of the picture or cutting it down because I think that's really important as well it's the people who you spend time with you're going to want support from them so yeah what advice would you give to people who are thinking about starting the journey or are you know have started the journey already yeah so in terms of like cutting down and you know reducing I think one of the first things is to just get a bit more mindful about your relationship so just asking yourself questions like when do I drink more? Do I drink more with a certain group of people? You know, do I drink because I'm stressed? One of the yeah. like, main questions they say you should ask is, am I celebrating or escaping? So, you know, okay. are you actually enjoying this? And because you're given a toast and you're really happy or are you in a terrible mood and you're drinking because you think that's going to make it that's a good question. <laughs> yeah, so always always ask that one. And then I would say there's like, there's a whole corner of the internet. Like Sober Girl Society is just the beginning of like mm. sober curiosity, mm. mindful drinking. There's something out there for everyone, whether that's like you want to do one yeah. or beer or yeah. you want to find your communities. There's so many like amazing things out there. So just get curious, just have a look around. You might come to Sober Girl Society and think, well, that's not a bit of me. Like there's so many other things mm, that I yeah. direct you to. And then in terms of like friends or family, I would say, first of all, don't read too much into their reactions because when I told everyone, they were kind of like, oh, you're going to be a bit boring or, you know, and I also don't think they believed me because, you know, we've all said I'm never drinking again. Mm. So I said that and I think they, they just didn't believe me. But then like as they start to notice the change in you and they started to see that I was happier and that I was being a better friend, I wasn't flaking on them for brunch mm. or anything, then they really kind of like got behind it. So like I wouldn't worry if they're a bit indifferent at the start but also just yeah. having those conversations and being really honest again it's like the yeah. work thing if you say oh I'm on antibiotics and things like that then they can go oh come on don't be boring just mm. drink but I kind of was really honest with my friends and said look it's making me really miserable like I know you see the fun Millie but I have to deal with yeah. it the next day yeah I'm gonna take a break I'm not sure how long for but you know if I like it I'm gonna carry on with it I'll still come out I'll still be fun I'll still celebrate your birthday and then they were mm. kind of like, oh, yeah, fair enough. So <laughs> being honest, I think, and having those conversations. And don't be afraid to, like, call people up if they say, oh, you're going to be boring. Or, yeah. 
you know don't don't be meek about it you can say look I'm not going to be boring <laughs> so here yeah. we are and you can always just prove them wrong by saying out to 3am <laughs> so that's uh. what I do Exactly. Oh, thank you so much, <laughs> Millie, for oh, sharing you. your your story. And Honestly. we don't really see pe- young people like yourself, you know, talking about stuff like this. So, um, where can we find you? You can find me um, on Instagram, just at Millie Gooch, or if you want to come to the community, it's just at Soberdale Society. Ah, oh, lovely. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you, for thank you so much, Millie. And just quickly before we go, is there any if there's people that don't oh. necessarily want to you know um, don't want to start that journey but they want to support the cause or support your cause is there any way that they can do that um yeah yeah, they can just come over I mean share with their friends if you've got like a friend if you're fine with your drinking but you've got a friend maybe you think is taking a bit far Mm. and is looking for help you can always send them in our direction and just like sharing support lines as well we've got in our highlights we've got like loads of free support lines that people can call if they're worried about their drinking so just like sharing them in the same way people share around like mental health support helplines we'll make sure we we share that on our page yeah we'll we'll definitely do that so much Definitely. Thank you so much, oh, Millie. Thank you. Thank you so much. Join us for another episode. As Shade says, make sure you <laughs> you leave us a five star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Yeah, okay. and we'll be back in two weeks. Make sure you follow Millie. We'll put her name, her Instagram name, yeah. and also we'll at her Sober Society. So make sure you follow her and get involved in what she's doing. And yeah, guys, we'll see you for another episode in two weeks' time. Two weeks. See y'all. Bye. Bye. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.